is another edition of The Difference. Welcome to it. I am Dan O'Donnell from News Talk 1130 WISN and 1310 WIBA, iHeartRadio as well. You can basically hear me wherever you get your podcasts. I am joined, as I always am, by the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, Dave Spano. And, and Dave, today we've got to begin by talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, which immediately dropped that name once it was passed by Senate Democrats. Here are the headlines. After the all-night vote on Saturday night into Sunday morning from some of the biggest news sources in America, CNN, Senate passes Democrats sweeping health care and climate bill. CBS News, Senate passes Democrats sweeping climate, health, and tax bill, delivering win for Biden. Wait a second. I thought this thing was called the Inflation Reduction Act, and I thought its purpose was to reduce inflation, not deliver wins for Biden on climate and health care. Yeah, it's certainly a misnomer, right? And even the liberal press has certainly asked Democrats some tough questions about, is it truly a misnomer? And of course, the CBO actually scored this thing, as you well know, Dan. It's really a nothing burger. You saw that score, right? Oh, yeah. Either between 0.1% inflation reduction by the end of 2023 or an actual increase in inflation, 0.1%. That's the definition of a nothing burger. And then as you go farther out, and admittedly, there are so many different factors that could come into play that the 10-year scores or whatever are essentially meaningless, but that's going to reduce inflation by 0.3%. Yeah. That's the definition of a nothing burger. Yeah, it certainly doesn't. uh, It's not going to reduce inflation, but there's stuff in there. We saw how the vote went down over the weekend, and of course, it was a 50-50 with the vice president making the tie-breaking vote at 51-50. And of course, we looked inside of it, and we see a 15% minimum corporate tax for uh, very large corporations, billion-dollar corporations. And, of course, that's not something they had planned for. It was something they talked about. There's 1% tax on stock buybacks, which has moved the market over the last decade or so. And there's $80 billion that goes to the IRS for enforcement by hiring more agents. So there is a lot of taxes inside of here. And so when you look inside, you go, you know, where are the opportunity? What's the opportunity set through this reconciliation bill. And of course, there are tax incentives to companies in the wind, solar, and battery development area. And so that might be a possibility for people to look in their portfolios and say, who is a beneficiary? I know there's uh, a conversion uh, battery company that, that we were watching that has had a significant run over the last couple of weeks. And again, there's a $7,500 tax credit for electric vehicle makers. So those industries could be beneficiaries of it. Uh, And again, it's always tax and spend uh, with a certain organization, and that's what we saw here. You know, one of the things that sort of flew under the radar, but it definitely piqued my interest, was that this law is going to add funding, as you mentioned, billions and billions and billions of dollars for 87,000 new IRS agents. Now, if my math is correct... And Democrats say they're going to go after billionaires. It used to be millionaires and billionaires. My favorite thing about Senator Bernie Sanders was he always used to say, remember, he'd get up there and say, millionaires and billionaires. We need to make sure the millionaires and billionaires are paying their fair share. Right? He would always say this. That's excellent. That's an excellent became, Bernie Sanders. Again, I say that was you. well I, I, done. I, 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 I do few political impressions very, very well, but I do the Bernie very well. Thank you, sir. So You say millionaires and billionaires. And then... He became a millionaire. Yep. He bought three houses. And now he only says, billionaires need to pay their fair share. Yep. Now, if my math is correct, Dave, 
There are roughly, and I'm using a high-end estimate, 1,000 billionaires in the United States. Mm -hmm. 1,000. Mm -hmm. If there are, in fact, 87,000 new IRS agents, are we to believe that there will be 87 agents assigned to each billionaire, or are these new agents going to be shall we say, auditing yeah. or more closely scrutinizing everyone's taxes. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. And so it's going to go downhill, as it always does. And that's clearly what this was about, is to try to get revenues without raising taxes. And they're going to do that by uh, by pounding on, on individuals that are not uh, billionaires, of course. And so that's certainly coming, and that certainly gets a lot of people's attentions. Nobody wants to be on the other side of an IRS desk uh, and so Manchin did vote for it. Unfortunately, he uh, he was not happy. He uh, he offered a lot of amendments, and I don't know if you saw it. Some of his amendments were failing ninety nine to one, and so he was uh, he was on an island with a lot of these amendments that he was offering. And then the other flip story of it was, of course, uh, Christian Cinema took out the carried interest, and of course they all said, well, the lobbyists. Uh, certainly got to her. But, you know, carried interest is really where private equity firms can turn their profits from income into capital gains. That's really what it means over a certain period of time, like three years. And so, the, you know, I don't know how we think that private equity firms are benefiting. I mean, people invest in companies and they get capital gains. And so I do think that that was a big part of it is not getting carried interest. Then there are some folks who are on the left of the political spectrum who think that should go away. But private equity is is not just the big private equity firms in New York and Boston. What they do is they invest in companies all around our communities, and they buy companies, and they invest in them, and they build them. And so that is a big benefit to so many people. I mean, I'm sure you know, Dan, a lot of people who may have uh, have been helped by a private equity by either packaging them up with someone else or maybe giving them a check to exit. Well, and this leads me to sort of a broader discussion. When you start raising corporate tax rates, you really do irreparable harm to the consumer because right. the tax on corporations down. is yep. essentially right. It, it's essentially a tax increase. And that's to say nothing about personal income taxes, which are going up across pretty much every tax bracket. In 2010, Senator Manchin said the worst thing that you can do is to raise taxes in an inflationary environment. Yep. When there's high inflation, you don't raise taxes. That's exactly what he did. What do you think the impact is going to be on Democrats essentially doubling down on the same sort of government spending and tax increases that we saw that led to this inflation in the first place? In the $1.9 trillion stimulus that was passed within the first couple of months of Biden's term, we saw that have an immediate impact. I mean, this thing passed, the stimulus checks go out in April, and by May, we've set a 30-year high for inflation. It gets to a 40-year high by the fall. I mean, it's clear that injecting all of this money into the economy dramatically increased inflation. Then you had, before the Inflation Reduction Act, which doesn't actually in increase or decrease inflation at all, we had 230 economists sign a letter to Congress saying, uh, this is just going to inflate increase inflation dramatically again. What do you think the impact is going to be ultimately on people's bottom line? Well, Not just for investments, yeah. but in terms of like what they're going to pay for pretty much everything. Well, you know, the big argument, and they saw a, perhaps uh, an opening that we saw 
peak inflation, air quotes here, uh, that peak inflation was being argued by a lot of economists, which means it just peak inflation is was it compared to, right? Uh, and so maybe it won't increase at 9% year over year anymore, but that doesn't mean you're going back to 2%. So the bottom line and the big story is what is the Fed going to do about it because they have these dual mandates. Of course, employment is doing very well. We saw that absolute blowout of a jobs report, up 500,000 jobs. And so that was double what expectations are. So the Fed is off of that, and they're on to their other job or the other part of their mandate, and that is to control inflation. And so, therefore, what are they going to do to try to lower inflation? Well, when you spend more on top of it, and we've seen this for a year and a half, two years now, it is going to increase inflation. So will it go continue on at 9%? We'll have to see. But is it going back to 2%? Probably not. The Fed has got to continue to, to uh, raise interest rates until they get it under control. I remember back in the 1980s that it took three years and two recessions to finally anchor inflation. So uh, this is a process, and it's going to take some time to lower inflation, folks. And, you know, you think about what parts of it. Energy might be coming down, but the sticky parts, which are wages and uh, and rents, that's sticky, Dan, and that is going to stick with us, and it's not going to go back to 2%. Why is that <laughs> important to people's portfolios? Because low interest rates are good for equity markets. We were in quantitative easing for a decade, and now we're going from quantitative easing to quantitative tightening, removing all of this market capital, taking it out of the market. And so, therefore, you know you can't get 22, 25 uh, P.E. ratios anymore. They're going to be more reasonable pressure on people's portfolios while costs are up. Yeah, and this is why when we see an inflationary environment that appears to show no signs of slowing down, you've got interest rates by necessity going up. We are in a recession, but of course, we've redefined the term recession, so that it's no longer two consecutive quarters of GDP shrinkage. You know, they changed it this in is, Wikipedia. Did you know that? If you go yes, to Wikipedia. They, they had <laughs> they had 40-some edits to Wikipedia in the span of like three days. They had to shut down editing Wikipedia yeah. so that we could change the definition of reality to better suit what the Biden administration wanted it to be. This is the, the state we're in in uh, America in 2022, that they just kind of change reality for political expediency. But the reality is that you need to know what you own and why you own it, and you need now more than ever a free portfolio review, which is, of course, always available at AnnexWealth.com. You just go there. It is simple. It is easy. It is, as I said, free AnnexWealth.com. So we talk about the idea of a, uh, of a recession. I don't think with there's no question we're in a recession. I, and in fact, uh, Dave, you talked about that blowout jobs report. I'm willing to wager that a whole lot of those jobs, because labor force participation did not increase. In fact, it decreased very slightly. A lot of those jobs that were quote unquote created are second and third jobs as people are struggling to afford things that they were more easily able to pay for before record-setting inflation. Am I wrong about this? No, you're not wrong. And you know, we did some we did some work on it here. Uh, did a deep dive, and he found you know the quick question I had is how can you have all of these job openings when you know when, I just don't understand it. And they have described it. Economists have described it as a purple squirrel. 
In other words, you know, you're looking for it and the purple squirrel doesn't exist. And that's what people are doing when they have their job openings, according to some of these liberal economists, is that they're waiting for the perfect person to walk through the door, even though that job might be posted. It's not a real job. They're waiting for, right. for Bo Derek to walk through the door. So that is really what's happening. And that's the reason why some of these job numbers are misleading. And that's why we have to look at where we're going from here. And that's the reason why the Fed is in a predicament, because they were late to the game. I remember Dan O'Donnell saying a year and a half ago, you know, we see one of the liberal economists certainly talking about Mm -hmm. inflation is upon us, but no one's doing anything about it. Well, here we are. They were late to the game. Let's see if they have another policy mistake, which means that they're going to continue to raise interest rates and drive us into perhaps a double dip. Yeah, I I think that's almost... I, I just don't see how we avoid this, because as you said earlier... Early 1980s, that was the only thing that got inflation, and and inflation that we're seeing now, last we saw was, again, 40 years ago, the only thing that drove it out of the system was a long, deep recession, two of them, in fact. And even if this recession that we're in right now isn't particularly deep, I I can't shake the feeling, Dave, that we're going to see some real pain in quarter one, quarter two, quarter three of 2023. Now, the good the good news, I will tell you, Dan, is that I'm going to try to end on a positive note. There have been, excluding what we're in right now, you know, because you can argue, you know, they're going to argue, are we in a recession or not? There has been 13 recess, recessions post-World War II. The average downturn has been 31% in the stock market in those recessions. The average recovery up 240%. So that doesn't mean that you need to sell everything and go into your basements with shotguns and water. What it means is you're going to have a run. It may not start until uh, 2023, 2024, but to have the right balance in your portfolio, to keep your finger on the trigger, to rebalance when you need it, and as important, make sure your financial plan has an estate part of it and a tax part of it, and that is why you need a fee-only fiduciary wealth management firm. He is Dave Spano. He's the president and CEO of Annex Wealth Management. I'm Dan O'Donnell, talk radio host extraordinaire. Thank you so much for listening to... Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.